some years after his death. Howard Phillips Lovecraft has become at least a fairly well-known name in the world of horror. When I was younger, he remained a fairly obscure writer whom I treasured as a personal discovery and evangelized to those whom I thought might appreciate his vision. His name now seems to be a matter of general knowledge, especially with prominent figures like Stephen King and Guillermo del Toro citing him as an inspiration. For those who may not know the name, he was a 20th century author of primarily short science fiction and horror stories which depicted the universe in an altogether new way. Quoting here from his landmark work, The Call of Cthulhu, The most merciful thing in the world, I think, is the inability of the human mind to correlate all its contents. We live on a placid island of ignorance in the midst of black seas of infinity, and it was not meant that we should voyage far. The sciences, each straining in its own direction, have hitherto harmed us little, but someday the piecing together of disassociated knowledge will open up such terrifying vistas of reality and of our frightful position therein that we shall either go mad from the revelation or flee from the deadly light into the peace and safety of a new dark age. Hail and welcome to A Satanist Reads the Bible, exploring the Bible, Christianity, and other religions and sacred texts through the lens of Satanism in order to reinvent religion for myself. Coming to you this week with a reading of one of my old essays, and there's a funny story behind this one. This essay is, by a full order of magnitude, the most popular thing I've ever written. I wrote this about a year ago, before I had turned this project into a podcast, and published it on the blog, as usual, and promoted it on Reddit and a few other places. And as I usually did, I checked the stats on readership the next day. Typically, one of my new blog posts would have less than 100 reads after the first day. This one was already above 10,000. It took some digging to find out the reason for the massive jump in popularity. Apparently, a Google service that distributes items of interest to Chrome users on Android phones picked up on the story and sent it to people interested in the work of H.P. Lovecraft. I'll head into the reading after some quick housekeeping. This is going to be a shorter episode. I've really been pushing hard on the American Mythology series, and I'm really proud of the work and glad to see it's resonated with my audience, but I'm also just a bit burned out on researching and writing at the moment, and I'm trying to avoid getting so burned out that I can't do any work at all. I'll probably take a week or two off in the coming months just because I haven't done that in a while, and it's good to get some space every now and then. But for this week and possibly the next, I'm just going to take it easy, read some old essays, maybe write some new content that isn't too time and research intensive, and start working on whatever the next big essay is going to be. Special thanks, as always, to my patrons, who support my work financially through Patreon. A Satanist Reads the Bible has a dedicated, supportive audience in general, and I'm grateful for everyone who tunes in, and there are a few people who warrant special thanks because they contribute money every month to help me buy the books and spend the time needed to produce the show up to the standard that you all deserve. If you want to join them, you can go to patreon.com slash Bible. All right, on with this week's reading, Lovecraft, Nietzsche, and the Satanism of Cosmic Horror. A mistake to which I think that I am especially prone is that I anthropomorphize the universe, turning its grandeur into something altogether human. 
The temptation to look up to the night sky and say, I am of the universe, is the universe not like me, is so very enticing. I have often described myself as a pantheist, but I already know that, even if I am correct in principle, the manifestation of my thought as an anthropomorphic universe is erroneous. Nietzsche warned against this. Quoting here from the Gay Science section 109, Let us beware of thinking that the world is a living being. Where should it expand? On what should it feed? How could it grow and multiply? We have some notion of the nature of the organic, and we should not reinterpret the exceedingly derivative, late, rare, accidental, that we perceive only the crust of the earth and make of it something essential, universal, and eternal, which is what those people do who call the universe an organism. This nauseates me. Let us even beware of believing that the universe is a machine. It is certainly not constructed for one purpose, and calling it a machine does it far too much honor. I must admit that I cannot help but see my reflection in the night sky. It is far too tempting a thought to see such grandeur and to think, this is of my own essence, it must be, and I don't think that I am entirely wrong, only that my sense of scale is wrong, for my own size, in relation to the space between just one star and the next, is so vanishing as to hardly be worth consideration, and what of the universe I may in fact contain may well be its coldness, its vacuousness, its hostility. This rejection of the notion of the universe as having been made for us, as framed by both Lovecraft and Nietzsche, is particularly satanic. Lovecraft's time was one in which we were first beginning to understand the true scale of the universe. Up until the early 20th century, it was widely believed that our home galaxy, the Milky Way, was the entirety of the universe, and even that notion a hundred billion or even hundreds of billions of stars spanning over 150,000 light years was intimidating and difficult for the human mind to grasp. It had been suggested that certain nebulae, such as Andromeda, weren't galactically local nebulae at all, but rather galaxies of their own. The notion was widely considered absurd, and not without good reason. For Andromeda to be its own galaxy, it would have to be over a million light years away, a staggering distance. After Edwin Hubble confirmed exactly this fact in 1925, we were presented with a new and altogether horrifying picture of the cosmos, in which the island universe that dwarfs us by some twenty orders of magnitude is itself little more than an ember floating in a void of incomprehensible proportions which only exacting statistical measurements would describe as being anything but empty. I think that someone who truly comprehended the scale of the universe and the profundity of its emptiness might find their sanity compromised as a result, and this was a major theme in Lovecraft's work. As to Nietzsche, for those unfamiliar with his work, I recommend some immediate research into one of history's greatest and most influential thinkers, but also as a quick primer so you can get back to this essay with all the minimally necessary details, my recent essay, Satanic Meditations on Nietzsche, which I have indeed turned into a podcast. In the briefest and most oversimplified terms, Nietzsche argued for the path towards escaping the yoke of religious nihilism and living as a free spirit. Nietzsche's views on science were complex and even somewhat contradictory. 
He clearly valued scientific rationalism, but did not seem to think that it led us to knowledge of what is objectively true, nor that any such path was possible. He argued, rather, that it is scientific rationalism that produced our most useful errors, things which may not be exactly true but which nevertheless work well enough to keep us alive long enough to reproduce. Nietzsche explicates this view in several places, but probably most centrally in The Gay Science, quoting here from section 110. Over immense periods of time the intellect produced nothing but errors. A few of these proved to be useful, and helped to preserve the species. Those who hit upon or inherited these had better luck in their struggle for themselves and their progeny. Thus the strength of knowledge does not depend on its degree of truth but on its age, on the degree to which it has been incorporated, on its character as a condition of life." I don't know if Lovecraft had read Nietzsche. I haven't found any evidence that he had. At the time, Thomas Common's translations of Nietzsche into English were still not widely read. But he at least understood what Nietzsche had written of in the first of his above quotes, regarding the hostility of the universe, from section 109, and also wrote of our ultimate inability to comprehend the true nature of reality, as Nietzsche described in the above quote from section 110. Lovecraft's stories described the universe as a hostile and alien place in which humans are anomalous, barely even a joke in the vast void inhabited by godlike beings so remote from our understanding as to drive minds into irredeemable madness. Lovecraft created a mythos of these beings, as well as monsters, alien and extra-dimensional locations, and eldritch mythical books concerning these things, and encouraged his fellow writers to include these elements in their own stories. This became the Cthulhu Mythos, named for one of Lovecraft's most famous inventions, an alien being of indescribable power and incomprehensible horror who sleeps, dead but dreaming, somewhere in the ocean, awaiting the alignment of the stars that will free it from its tomb. I read Lovecraft voraciously in my younger years, eventually covering almost everything that he had written, including many of his collaborative works with other writers and whatever work I could find of those who had themselves delved into the Cthulhu mythos. I'll note that when I first read Lovecraft's work, I was naive enough to only notice his racism and not be disgusted by it. I said that it was the product of his time as if that excused anything. And he was worse than his time in any case. His best stories are polluted by it. How he could think that we are different from each other to such a degree as would be worth even a second's thought in the face of the kind of cosmic horrors that he spoke of will ever remain a mystery to me. The philosophy of Lovecraft's work was essentially nihilistic. Nothing was ever gained from his protagonists learning of the truth of the cosmos. They only ever died or went insane, and Lovecraft proposed no remedy to the meaninglessness of our existence in such an alien and hostile universe. What I think that Lovecraft missed was that the cosmic horror of reality makes human existence on Earth all the more remarkable and potentially far more meaningful so long as we are intent on making meaning for ourselves. 
A Satanist should strive to see the world for what it is, and not what they might wish it to be. But I don't believe that, in having done so, we have to resolve ourselves to madness, death, and a meaningless existence. If the cosmos is indeed as Lovecraft suggested, and as our scientific explorations indicate, excepting perhaps the presence of elder gods and great old ones, then a pantheist view would have to see God as something likewise alien and hostile to life. Satan, in this view, would be the life force opposing the destructive chaos of the universe. Satan would be the active and creative principle and the symbol of the struggle to survive and prosper within a universe that seems very much to not want us here. Satan becomes our luminary when we take such a view of the cosmos and then choose to follow Nietzsche's advice to acknowledge the universe for what it is in all its horror and then affirm life. All right, that's it for the show this week. I'm going to aim to put together some new content for next week, but I'm already a bit behind as far as that goes, so it might be another reading of an old essay. Next in line is Satanism, the Self, and Ego Death, and that's a really good one. But I'll have something excellent for you either way, and I'll be getting to that one eventually one way or another. I'm Todd Billsborough, and A Satanist Reads the Bible is written, produced, edited, and scored by me with the support of my partner, my patrons, and my audience. Thank you for joining me today. Always thought that